15, if you would turn to that, please. Thank you. And then, and then Toby, if you want to come forward. The reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to the end of the chapter. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. But not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, 
Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church family. It's a great joy and privilege to be with you this morning. Um, Before we come to God's word today, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of gathering to hear your word. Lord, we ask today that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have to say to us. Help me as I preach your word to be faithful and clear. We ask today that your spirit will work through your word to reveal to us your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what does the future hold for us? We think about this question a lot, don't we? What will I be when I grow up? Will I get that promotion? Will I go on that holiday? If you're simple like me, it might be as simple as, what will I have for lunch today? We think about our earthly future a lot, but how often do we consider our eternal future? Have you ever wondered about what life after death will be like for Christians? What will we be like at the resurrection when Jesus returns? In our passage today, Paul is explaining what our future will be like, and significantly he says it's going to be a physical one. Now, sometimes in an effort to emphasize spiritual things, Christians have unfortunately overlooked the importance of the physical, of our bodies. Our bodies are not insignificant shells to be thrown away, but beautiful, yet broken vessels that God has a glorious plan for. And seeing that God has a future for our bodies changes how we live life now. In our passage, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians were wondering what their future bodies will be like. And by answering their question, Paul points all of us to a day in our futures, to the day of the resurrection, when we will be given new bodies. Today, 1 Corinthians 15 has good news for us. The big idea I want to get across is this. Paul wants to show us that because of the resurrection, we have a fantastic physical future. But how can Paul say that our physical future will be great? Well, two reasons. Because firstly, he shows us that our bodies will be made infinitely better. And secondly, he shows us that our bodies will be made victorious over death. Friends, we need this passage today because it lifts our eyes beyond the present and helps us to look forward with confidence beyond the weakness and limitations of our bodies now. It helps us to truly say, 
that our best years are ahead of us. So why can we say that our physical future is great? Well, point one, Paul says that our bodies will be made infinitely better. He begins our passage today by noting a question posed by the Corinthians, asking what our resurrection bodies will be like. In verse 35, he writes this, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? As seen earlier in chapter 15, some of the Corinthians are skeptical of the resurrection. And here they're trying to imagine what it will be like for themselves. They're trying to picture it. Then from verse 36 onwards, Paul seeks to explain what our resurrection bodies will be like by using two pictures in nature. The first is the picture of the seed and the grain, which shows us that there are differences between what is planted in the ground and what grows out in new life. And there's also the picture of differing types of bodies in nature. Paul points out that there's bodies for humans and animals and fish and birds and the sun and so on, which shows us that there are different bodies in creation for different environments. Right? My body wasn't made to fly in the air or survive very long under the sea. My body wasn't made to survive in heaven. Paul's saying in creation already, there are different bodies for different environments. Now, these two pictures together emphasize that we will have different bodies, better bodies at the resurrection, when like the grain, we rise from the ground in new life with new bodies fit for the environment of the new creation. But what will these bodily differences be? Well, Paul spells them out for us in verse 42 to 44. Follow along with me. He says this, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Here, Paul actually shows us how our bodies will be made infinitely better than they are now. He contrasts our present bodies with how they will be raised, right? We all know that our bodies now are perishable. We age and we decay, but our resurrection bodies will be imperishable, unfading. Our present bodies are marked by dishonor. We're tarnished by sin, both our sin and the sin of others. But our resurrection bodies will be made gloriously untarnished. Our current bodies are characterized by weakness. Have you ever stubbed your toe or broken a bone? Ever felt sickness or bodily tiredness? Our bodies now are frail and feeble, but our resurrection bodies will be made incredibly powerful. The bodies we have now are natural. They're of the nature of this present world. But at the resurrection, our bodies will be made spiritual, which doesn't mean non-physical. As we've seen, Paul's actually advocating for a physical resurrection. But what it means is that our bodies will be made new. They will be perfectly fitted for life in the new order, the new creation. Do you see what Paul's saying here? We have a fantastic physical future because at the resurrection, our bodies will be made infinitely better. Our best physical days are ahead of us. This is a cool thought. 
Now, I love my grandparents. I love visiting them and hanging out with them. But when I go and hang out with my grandma, I don't expect she'll be able to kick a footy around with me. But imagine for a second if she got even better with age. Imagine if she got more agile, if her knees got better, if her eyesight improved. Imagine that as she rolls into her 80s, she can kick a footy further. Imagine I can go visit her and she can absolutely destroy me at a game of rugby. Do you see what Paul's saying here? This is the kind of physical future we have to look forward to. One in which our bodies will be so much better than they are now. It's exciting, but that is not even the best bit. Our bodies will be infinitely better because they will be made like Jesus. In verse 49, Paul says this, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. He's saying that the bodies we have now are like the body of the man of dust, the first man, Adam. They're sinful, weak, and corruptible. But at the resurrection, our bodies will be made infinitely better because they'll be made like the body of the man of heaven, Jesus, sinless, powerful, incorruptible. How many times this week was it just painfully obvious to you that you aren't like Jesus? There have been plenty of times in this past week where I've been frustrated at the things I've said and the things I've done that don't line up with the saviour I follow. We are all works in progress. We're going to continue to stumble and fall our entire lives. But one day, Paul says, on the day of our resurrection, we will be made perfectly like Jesus. This gives me so much hope that one day my ongoing battle against sin will finally be finished, that one day I'll be able to glorify and enjoy God perfectly forever, free from sin's presence, that one day I'll be made like my Saviour. I'll still have a physical body, but I'll be holy, powerful, glorious, like Jesus. We will still be ourselves, but we will be made infinitely better. Now, knowing that we have this glorious physical future, I think it does two things in our lives. One, it helps us to enjoy the good parts. And two, it helps us to get through the hard parts. So I can enjoy eating good food now. I can enjoy eating a delicious steak, knowing that it's going to be even better one day. I can enjoy catching up with friends and hanging out now knowing that I'll enjoy that in an even more profound way one day. I can enjoy watching a sunset or going for a walk up Mount Coulomb, knowing that there will be an even more beautiful creation one day. As 1 Timothy 4.4 reminds us, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Understanding our physical future, knowing that God cares about the physical and won't just throw it away one day, means that we can enjoy the good parts of life now. We can enjoy the physical, while simultaneously reminding ourselves of the theological truth that the best is yet to come. And it also helps me get through the hard parts of life. I imagine this physical future will be even more important for me as my body inevitably breaks down. 
it tells me that I won't actually need to look back on my 20s with longing for my physical glory days. I'll need to look forward to my future at the resurrection. This helps me when I face sickness and bodily brokenness now. And I imagine that this will help me to approach the decay of my body as painful as it might be with steady hope because it's a sign that I'm drawing even nearer to the resurrection. So as I face and as you face the hard parts of this life, our physical future acts as an anchor, a bolstering hope that allows us to persevere now as we remind ourselves of our resurrection. Friends, we have a glorious physical future because one day our bodies won't be discarded or put away. They'll be perfected. They will be made infinitely better. But there's still a problem, isn't there? One last enemy, we might say, death. How can we have this glorious physical future if we die? Paul identifies this in the second half of this passage. Starting from verse 50, he says this, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Right, we saw this before. The bodies we have now are not made for heaven. They're perishable. We die. But one day, they will be perfected. We will be made imperishable. We need new bodies fit for the eternal environment of the new creation. Paul goes on. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Paul looks to our future and sees the day of Jesus' return, the day of death's final defeat, the day of Christians putting on immortality. This brings us to our second point. The second reason why we can say that we have a fantastic physical future is that because of the resurrection, our bodies will be made victorious over death. As Paul looks towards this day, he breaks out in an exuberant exclamation. Verse 54, it's almost as if he's so happy he can't help but sing. He declares... Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul sees the final eradication of death as a future event when Jesus returns and Christians put on immortality. But before we get to this future, we need to rewind. We need to look to the past because death has already been defeated. How can Paul say that death is swallowed up in victory? Well, look at the tomb of Jesus. It's still empty. Jesus was victorious over death as he rose triumphantly from the grave. But at the cross, it appeared as if death had swallowed Jesus, as if death had claimed the victory. Now, recently watching the FIFA World Cup, many were surprised by the victory of Saudi Arabia over soccer giants Argentina. 
Ten minutes into the game, Lionel Messi, one of the best players of all time, scored for Argentina. In that moment, many people around the world assumed that Argentina would wipe the floor with Saudi Arabia. But surprisingly, the Saudis came back in a triumphant sporting moment to defeat Argentina two goals to one. Defeat looked inevitable, but victory was a surprising result. Now imagine watching Jesus' crucifixion. You turn the TV off at halftime as Jesus hangs on the cross, drooping head and dark skies. It looks like death has won. But if you keep the match running, you'll see Jesus emerge triumphantly from the grave three days later. Death tried to swallow Jesus, but was swallowed up in the process. So Jesus has won the victory over death. But how are we made victorious over death? Well, he shares his victory with us. Remember verse 57, which we heard before. Paul exclaims, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives us the victory through Jesus. Now, in keeping with the World Cup illustrations, I want you to think for a second about the substitutes on a soccer team. They don't do anything. They sit on the sideline watching. But imagine if you had an incredible player on your team who put 50 goals in the net of the opposition, winning the game for you. You don't win the game because of anything done by you. You are victorious by virtue of who's on your team. Likewise, we couldn't do anything ourselves. We were sinners, condemned under the law, deserving of death. As Romans 6.23 reminds us, the wages or the payment of sin is death. It is Jesus who died on the cross and then rose victoriously over death. And he shares his victory with us. If we are trusting in him, then we are on the winning team. The match is won. Jesus is victorious. And sometime in our futures, on a day the Father has chosen, Jesus will return and we will rise in victory when he finally puts death in the grave and banishes brokenness for good. On that day, we will share in his victory as our physical bodies are made immortal. So in the face of inevitable death, we can confidently say, that because of the resurrection, because of Jesus' victory over death, we have an incredible physical future. Have you ever noticed the difference between how the world and how Christians view death? Earlier this year, a wonderful member of my old church passed away. It was sudden and at a young age. Now that is a sorrowful thing. But what I was surprised by in witnessing his funeral, was the deep peace and hope held by that Christian community. Listen to the words of his wife spoken at the funeral. She said this, My comfort was that if he got up and walked out of that hospital, that would be an amazing miracle. But if the Lord had taken him home into his heavenly mansion, into the loving arms of Jesus then that 
is a greater miracle. That gave me peace and assurance beyond what I could ever dream of. Friends, death isn't the end for us. Our king has won, and one day when he returns, we will rise physically from the grave. We will be made victorious over death. So whilst it is painful, if we are trusting in the victorious King Jesus, then we need not ultimately fear death. Because of Jesus' resurrection victory, death is like a bee without a stinger. The poet George Herbert once said this, Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel makes him just a gardener. Death merely plants our bodies in preparation for the day when we will be raised in victorious physical glory. For all of us, young and old, death could come at any time. It is inevitable, but it need not be feared. The victory has been won. Death has lost the match. So why not remind yourself this week of your victorious physical future beyond the grave, Reading 1 Corinthians 15 is a great place to start doing that. So Jesus has won the victory, and he shares it with us. But we also get to be a part of sharing his victory with others. Let me show you what I mean. In verse 58, Paul gives us one last implication. This is signaled by the therefore that starts this verse, which is Paul saying that in light of the truth that has come before, here's my application. Paul says to be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. By this, I think he's saying that because of physical life after death, because of the resurrection, devote yourself to doing the Lord's work, gospel work, work that builds his kingdom. Because people have a physical future beyond the grave, invest in them That work won't be in vain because it's eternal. This is new creation work because investing in people is an investment in the new creation. We are recipients of Jesus' victory and now we have the privilege of inviting others to be a part of Jesus' team, to share in his victory. So let's find ways in our weeks that we can hold out the hope of resurrection victory with others. Maybe we could chat to our friends about life after death. Maybe we could spend time with youth kids, pointing them to their resurrection future. Maybe we could turn funerals into opportunities to share the hope we hold of hope beyond the grave. Friends, our physical future is wonderful because one day, our bodies will be made victorious over death. So, dear brothers and sisters, here's the big message of this passage, the thing to hold on to. Because of the resurrection, you have a fantastic physical future. Why? Because our bodies will be made infinitely better and our bodies will be made victorious over death. Your best years are ahead of you. Our physical glory days are not in the past. They actually lie ahead of us. In Christ, you can be confident of a future physical resurrection. 
our future will be, as C.S. Lewis beautifully said, one in which every chapter is better than the one before. There will be no more pain, no more weakness, no more brokenness. You will be given a new body. There will be no more sin, no more death. So look to the past. See Jesus rising from the grave in victory over sin and death. Lift your eyes and look to the future. See that one day you'll share in Jesus' victory and likeness when he returns to assemble a risen and redeemed people for himself. And in the meantime, dear church, let's get on with it. Hold out this resurrection victory to others and keep running the race no matter what this life throws at us, sickness or sorrow, surprises or strife. Let us keep running with our chins tilted towards this invincible hope, the hope of the resurrection. Because, friends, we can truly say that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God of resurrection, we praise you for the hope of our glorious physical future. We thank you for the victory of Jesus in rising from the grave And we rejoice, Lord, in the fact that one day we will rise too and be given better bodies and be made gloriously like Jesus. And as we look forward to that day, help us to hold out the hope of the resurrection with others around us now. By your grace, Lord, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Toby, for bringing us that message from 1 Corinthians.